Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we are here with the distinguished Eric Waldo, Executive Director of Reach Higher, Office of the First Lady, here to talk about what is happening on campus today, the College Opportunity Agenda, Strengthening School Counseling and College Advising. It's happening July 28th, 2014. Eric Waldo, an HGSC alum, welcome back to campus and congrats on all the excitement today. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for having me today. It is really exciting to be back here um, at Harvard, here at the Ed School, to be and to be able to bring such terrific work that's happening at the White House and the administration, and really to partner together with Harvard on the important work of college counseling and college advising. Yeah, give us a little bit of history of why this happened. I know Michelle Obama, the First Lady, is a great advocate of college advising and, and reach higher, you being a, in charge, a, executive director. There. Tell us a little bit about the origins of, of why this is happening today. Sure, I'd be happy to. So, you know, if you really want to step back, um, I'd say, you know, in, in January of 2014, earlier this year, the president and the first lady convened a college opportunity summit. And really, this was a piece of work that was building on so much of their agenda, which is really about uh, being number one in the world again in terms of college graduates uh, by the year 2020. The president and the first lady refer to this as the North Star goal. So, you know, a generation ago, we were number one in the world in terms of young people with college degrees. And now we've fallen all the way down to number 12 among industrialized nations. So other countries are out educating us. And we know that in today's knowledge-based economy, a great education, some form of higher education, whether it's a two-year degree, a four-year degree, um, a community college, a certificate, a professional certificate um, or degree, that is necessary to compete in the global knowledge-based economy. And we know that's just so necessary. So in January, um, with help of the National Economic Council, we convened about 100 college presidents in 49 province, all of whom showed up. And sort of the ticket to entry was really a commitment uh, around increased college completion and college access, especially for that, those first-generation kids that we're so worried about, the people who, who we know aren't necessarily getting that advantage and, and, and getting that ticket to the middle class, which is a higher education degree. So 100 colleges, 49 profits made commitments to do better things around this. And as part of that, we've been building out that work and continuing to use sort of the pen and the phone agenda that the president's been talking about and using the unique convening authority of the White House to bring leaders from business, philanthropy, nonprofit, and higher education and K-12 together to make these commitments. And so today really um, is an outgrowth of that, which is to say that we know there's just enormous enthusiasm to reach that 2020 goal and that different people have different roles to play. And my role as executive director of Reach Higher is really to, to use the First Lady's bully pulpit and her unique convening authority um, to push this work ahead. So the First Lady herself uh, you know, is a first-generation college goer, uh, but for the fact that her um, older brother was recruited to play basketball at Princeton, she probably would have been one of those undermatching stories we read about. You know, undermatching is the, the phenomenon where um, you know, students who actually could have gone to a sort of a, a higher-ranked or higher-tier, an institution that maybe um, that they could maybe more thrive at instead don't even realize that that's an opportunity and don't apply because you know the first lady um, she grew up in a family that valued education but she was like her brother a first generation college goer neither of her parents uh, had a higher degree so this is really personal to the first lady uh, she's seen the power of education in her own life and seen it uh, in the president's life and so when she launched reach higher really the goal was that she wanted to speak directly to students and inspire them about what it was going to take to complete high school and go to college. So uh, I tell people when I describe Reach Higher that the first lady you can think of her now is school counselor in chief. And like school counselor in chief, she's out there talking to the kids around the things you'd think she would, which is four main buckets. One, of course, is uh, 
college and career exposure. She we, She's out there encouraging and making sure kids know that they need to go out and, and see college and he, hear about it because maybe they didn't grow up in a college-going culture, a college-going school, a college-going family, and we need to do as much as we can to make sure that they understand the link between their education, their future career, their future success, and getting that college exposure and degree. Uh, number two is around financial aid and college affordability. We know that right now, the price of college is, is something important to people, and it's a real challenge, uh, and the president and the administration are doing a lot to try to address that. Nevertheless, um, despite that, we still know college is the best investment you can make for your future success. So we want to make sure kids understand the $150 billion that are available in federal student aid, that kids understand the importance of filling out the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid, no matter where you are on the income scale. Um, we know, you know, want to make sure that kids are going to studentaid.gov to learn, to understand that roadmap. Um, and really see that you know finances, while they are, are significant, and we want to make sure people are making the right decision, that it shouldn't be an obstacle, that there are really opportunities for everyone. So I talked about um, college and career exposure. I talked about financial aid and college affordability. Uh, I think the third is really around academic planning, which also includes you know summer planning. We know that too many kids today are actually, even if they finish high school, uh, around uh, in Massachusetts, where we are today, I'm here in Cambridge, in Massachusetts, which is a state that we think of as famously having very high standards, a high achieving uh, school system, um, there are 35% of entering public college freshmen have to take remedial classes. So that means they're using those scarce resources, those loans, those grants, and they're taking just to get up to the level to take credit-bearing courses. We got to do better. We got to make sure we're talking to kids in high school about taking those AP classes, doing dual enrollment if that's possible, really challenging yourself so that you're really college ready when you're walking out the door of, at your high school graduation. Uh, and that also includes, of course, you know, especially for first-generation low-income kids, you know, how are you using your summer? Uh, and that means, you know, not not having that summer loss happen, making sure you're reading, you're taking enrichment, or you're building life skills through an internship or even through a job. Um, and we even know that kids who finish high school and they've, you know, have a plan to go to college, they've been accepted, that's a dangerous time if you're not in a supportive structure. You, you know, you're, you've left that network of your high school, you have yet to enter the network of your college, and there's a phenomenon that people call summer melt, where these kids actually just aren't aren't showing up on day one. And sometimes it's as simple as, you know, they didn't know what to do when they got that extra $25 on campus fee. You know, we brought, we talked to a group of um, Chicago public school students who were coming to visit Howard University through a gear up program called um, Escape to Mecca. And the, the leader of that program said, you know what, we, we got this girl and she was a first generation kid. We got her accepted to Howard. It was a, everyone was thrilled. No one had figured out how they were physically going to get her from Chicago to Washington, D.C., and it almost didn't happen. But again, you know, you had a, an adult in her life, a school counselor in her life who, who took that leadership role and made sure that happened. But these are the types of things we got to be worried about. So again, you know, I, I said I talked about college and career exposure. I talked about financial aid. I talked about uh, academic planning, summer planning. The fourth um, is school counselors. That is a an actual area of emphasis for the first lady for reach higher. Um, and you'll notice those first three were really student focused or as the primary audience. You know, wanted to make sure we're inspiring kids and, and speaking directly to them. But we know that for kids across the country, uh, no matter where you are on the income ladder, that school counselor can so often be the person who makes the difference in your life to whether or not you're going to go to college and what college you go to. So they had the roadmap. They are often the advocate 
advocate for a student, making sure that that student gets into that AP class, knows about that enrichment program, and really help them expose them to the plethora or, or the array of opportunities out there. So the First Lady, uh, you know, in July, uh, spoke at the American School Counselor Association Conference in Orlando, and she talked about three things. She said, you know, number one, uh, she helped amplify guidance that the Department of Education put out the day before, Secretary Duncan, uh, around how superintendents can use federal dollars uh, more flexibly to help do professional development for school counselors and give them the support that they need. Because we know too often school counselors aren't getting the training they need in grad school. They're not getting the professional development they need once they're in schools. And the numbers are pretty rough. Uh, I think that what we heard today was the, the average is you've got one school counselor for every 471 students. That's just way too high. I think the the recommended is about one to 260 or so. That seems pretty high to me too, candidly. But even in some places like California, you've got an average of one counselor for every 1,000 kids. And we just know how how you know morally, ethically, equitably unacceptable that that sounds. So. Uh, in addition to talking about flexibility, the, the First Lady um, talked about how we want to lift up this profession and shine a spotlight on them. And in the same way that the White House currently honors the Teacher of the Year with the Rose Garden Ceremony and the Principal of the Year, for the first time ever next year in 2015, we're going to bring the School Counselor of the Year to the White House and honor them. And the third thing that the First Lady talked about in Orlando was actually what we're here doing today, which is that uh, with a group of leaders uh, who, who've helped us c come up with this convening, we wanted to bring folks to Harvard, bring a, a mix of practitioners, researchers, business leaders, philanthropists, funders, K-12 and higher ed all together to talk about these three areas around professional development, um, programming and research, and real tools for counselors. Because it, it isn't enough for us to just talk about it. We have to be committed to doing things. And I think our goal is to see how today's conversation with these leaders sparks true commitments that we're going to see that don't require Congress, that don't require anything. They just require leadership from people going back to their schools, their districts, their states to make a difference and make a change of how we invest best in school counseling. Eric, it seems like this conference today is a real great amalgamation of you as a person, someone who works in this uh, field and then also came from the ed school as a sort of nice marriage. What is it like to come back here, bringing back the First Lady's ideas, coming back as an employee of Reach Hire, but also as an alum of the ed school? Well, you know, I'm just enormously proud. Um, you know, I was talking to Professor Mandy Savitz, who's been one of the leaders here at the, at the ed school who helped us put on today's event. And getting to come back here as now a practitioner, I, again, I just feel an immense source of pride and but it's, it wasn't just that Harvard stopped and said, hey, you know, I, we've trained you, go out. I think it's a, it says an enormously positive things about this institution that it continues to try to challenge itself to do things differently and to have partnerships and summits with the federal government, with state practitioners, with nonprofit partners. I mean, this is really, the, today's event is a mix of all those things. It's coming together with the White House. It's coming together with, you know, national leaders like the National Council for, for uh, the National Networks for School Council Associations uh, and nonprofits and foundations all of us saying we got to make something happen you know the status quo is unacceptable so I feel um, I feel like coming back here I see how my training uh, at the ed school how my training after the ed school and how my experience in government has led me to believe that you know there is no one institution that has the answer right when when if if higher ed is saying oh it's just all us but we don't need to work with government we don't need to work with nonprofit we don't need to work with business that's a problem um, I think my experience uh, both as a student and as now a practitioner is we really just need to continue to break down those silos and, and I think that's what today and that's really what the College Opportunity Summit and Agenda is about is continuing to bring these sort of disparate parties who all of whom have figured out that they have the same stake 
in the future outcome of this country. So for a business, you know, you're tired of having to either not be able to find the employees who have the training you need, um, or that you have to spend your your money and capital on training people to get to the have the skills that you need. And they're saying, "Gosh, why don't these? Why don't you know? Why aren't the products of of K twelve or higher ed? Why don't they have the skills we need?" And they say that's not right. And so they've got to talk to higher ed. And higher ed's got to say, "Oh gosh, are we are we giving kids the right curriculum? Are we giving them the right standards? Are we giving them not just the information but the life skills to be successful?" And then government has to say, "You know, how are we using our federal dollars to provide the incentives to both create alignment and really to create those outcomes, not just for today, but you know, and this is the challenge for all you know public policy and work, but." You know, we can't be satisfied if we just solve the problem for a year, two years, three years. We can have to think continuously in a virtuous cycle and a continuous feedback loop about what is this country going to look like in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years so that we're training kids not just for the economy of the 20th century, which unfortunately too much of the K-12 system is is, is focused still on a, on a retrograde model, but really uh, how are we training them for the economy that we don't even know about yet, which means con- creating lifelong learners, creating people who can be persistent and, and survive and, and, and re-educate themselves and, and constantly be learning. Uh, and again, you know, school counselors are just one part of that, and it's so great to be able to focus on that today because they too, all too often are the ones who have to see those gaps and those silos and say, I want to break them down. And being able to bring them together and talk about all those areas is just a, a phenomenally great experience. For full coverage on today's event, you can go to gse.harvard.edu. You can follow our Twitter account, at HGSE. You can also follow at Reach Higher. Eric, where can people learn more about Reach Higher? Is there a website they can go to? Yeah, so you can go to www.reachhigher.gov, and that has a lot of terrific links to um, some of the issues I talked about for for, um, higher ed access, college affordability, things like studentaid.gov. I'd also encourage you to follow Reach Higher on Instagram. That's at Reach Higher 2020. And the last thing I'd like to say just in general, you know, when I'm talking to people about what the First Lady's doing and her commitment, you know, famously, um, Nancy Reagan, uh, the First Lady, you know, told a generation of kids, just say no to drugs. And I think the First Lady is telling a generation of kids, just say yes to college. And we really need to to create that college-going culture, that, that reach higher culture, um, to be persistent, to keep going no matter where you are in your life, and, and to achieve those dreams to be successful as a country, as a nation. And I think the First Lady and the President are living proof of what that can mean. Um, just to see how far they've come in their own careers and lives. And I know that all of us should and, and can expect that uh, from our own kids, from ourselves, and for our communities. And we're glad the Harvard Ed School said yes to Eric Waldo. <laughs> Eric Waldo, Executive Director of Reach Higher Office of the First Lady, thank you very much for being on the EdCast today, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.